Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. You can do it. For penetration. Taken away by Hagens. Williams lobs it up. Oh! The slam. Jordan Bowden on a rock attack. Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. Ones. Williams draws the double, hesitates. Extra feed. Oh, look out! That's a man's jam! Admiral Schofield! Hey! I love you! What? Nothing! Second place! Get up! Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. March Madness time. March Madness is mad for good and for ill time. A tough way for Tennessee to end its basketball season time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 mobile studio location here in Louisville, Kentucky. I think we're still in the city limits here, aren't we? Grant doesn't know. Grant, we're, neither one of us is good at geography or math or, or much of anything else. But here we are recording this at 2.04 a.m. Eastern on a Friday. Tells you uh, what postseason basketball time can be like. Uh, tough, tough night for Tennessee, guys. I won't try to uh, spin that any way possible. I don't think there is a way to spin that. I think you have to call things what they are sometimes, and that – that was painful. Uh, Tennessee, uh, from from just the agony of the first half to the ecstasy of the second half uh, to just an unbelievable rally and, and then controversy late in regulation. Uh, and it all boils down to 99 for Purdue, 94 for Tennessee, overtime final in what I think we can all say was the, the best game of this NCAA tournament to this point. Uh, that game had everything. It had Tennessee – uh, trailing by 18 points in the second half, looking like it was dead on arrival. Uh, then Tennessee rallying. This was a team that did this so many times this season. Uh, maybe not down from 18, but uh, just an unbelievable comeback. I mean, you're talking about the same team that gave up a 25-point lead against Iowa in the second round, turns around, and again – just flips it right, just flips that script. Goes from down 18 to up a couple possessions. Uh, Tennessee had some chances to maybe kill off that game, but, but Purdue kind of kept hanging around, hitting tough shots. Uh, we all know what Carson Edwards can do, but who knew Ryan Klein, who averages 11 points per game, was going to go drop 27 and hit some of the most ridiculous three-pointers you will ever see in your college basketball watching experience. Uh, just some Steph Curry type stuff. Just unbelievable performance by him. Uh, and Tennessee goes into overtime, certainly with some momentum lost after that that tough call there on Lamonte Turner down the stretch. couple of tough calls there, actually. Uh, there was uh, Carson Edwards drives to the bucket, and uh, Grant Williams blocks him. Uh, does a good job blocking him without fouling him. Uh, the ball, I think, I think goes off Edwards' leg. Seen a couple replays on it. I'm not, I can't tell you I'm 100% positive, but I'm I'm pretty darn positive that ball went off Edwards' leg. Uh, regardless, uh, the re- officials go to the monitor with 2.5 seconds left, and it's Purdue's ball. Uh, rather than give the ball to Tennessee, the officials keep the ball Purdue's way and add two tenths of a second to it. Uh, that leads to the pass we all knew was coming. We just didn't know where uh, that pass right there to Carson Edwards in the corner. 
Uh, he takes a three, kicks out, uh, as he had done all night. Lamonte Turner, uh, who was trying to contest the shot, kind of runs into that extended leg, and the refs give him the call. And he hits two of the three free throws, so hey, not so bad. Got a chance to go into overtime. Got a chance to go in there and, and do what you did against Iowa, go dominate overtime. But Grant Williams starts overtime on the bench. More on that in a minute. And Tennessee just kind of, you know, the Iowa game, Tennessee was the aggressor in overtime. Tennessee hit the early shots. This time it was Purdue. Jumped out to a three-point lead early there in overtime, and Tennessee just could not quite make it happen. Too many guys were fouling out. Uh, too many uh, big-time players that they need were fouling out. And in the war of attrition, Purdue was the last team standing. And I wouldn't have thought that going into the game. I thought if it came down to a big moment like that, I, I would have thought Tennessee's experience would – would help against a Purdue team that is a really good team, but its four best bench players are all freshmen. Uh, but that, hey, it's March. Things happen, Grant. Uh, your thoughts on what was just an unbelievably wonderful, frustrating, amazing basketball game? I think you got uh, kind of the mind-boggling highs of Tennessee in the second half and what they've shown they can do at times this season. Uh, and the mind-boggling kind of lows in the first half of, of what can go wrong. And uh, Purdue's a really good team, uh, and they're playing ba- the right brand of basketball at the right time. Uh, and what Tennessee ran into the first half looks like a buzzsaw with uh, the amount of threes they were making, the way they were making those threes contested, long threes, uh, coming off screens and barely turning toward the basket before firing some of those Ryan Klein threes. Uh, it, was, it was something – to watch, and it looked like Tennessee was dead on arrival even in the first four minutes of the second half when Purdue got it up to, I think, 18 was the biggest uh, with about 16 minutes left. Uh, and then Tennessee just kind of flipped a switch and was a different basketball team, kind of like we saw uh, last week in the, when the roles were reversed. Uh, what the I keep coming back to is, is 14 missed free throws. It's just weird. Purdue missed their share of two, I think 12. Uh I mean, Jordan Bowden had missed 12 all season, and he missed five in the first half. And that was just – Yeah, it was uh, actually pretty close to even. Uh, Tennessee goes 14 for 28, and Purdue goes 16 for 33, which, uh, again, Tennessee had to foul Purdue a little bit there in overtime. But that that's that's really bad both ways. Yeah, and, and it, it, I th- honestly thought it was over uh, when Grant dunked Lamonte's missed layup with eight seconds left. And – I thought it was over when Carson Edwards drove and missed uh, with two and a half left, whatever it was. Not because I thought it went off his leg. Or I had no idea who it went off of. I was on the other end of the floor. It just looked like the momentum was there, and Tennessee was going to find a way to get out of this and get to the next round. Uh, and they didn't. And, and if if you hit more free throws, you win. Purdue, if you know, Purdue would say the same thing. If they hit more free throws, it would have never went to overtime. Um, but you know, it, it played out the way it did. The calls are what they are. Uh, there's there's always going to be bad calls in college basketball because that's just the way it is, uh, and it's not changing anytime soon. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's a really tough ending for that group. Uh, a, a really tough ending for a senior class that started where it started as freshmen four years ago and ended up here uh, to where you could be disappointed after a 31 win season and a Sweet 16 run. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, before we move on talk about it, we will go over the box score. Obviously, Purdue 99, uh, Tennessee 94. Tennessee outscores Purdue 54-42 to 42 in the second half. Just an unbelievable offensive performance by Tennessee in the second half. More on that in a minute and what Schofield did. Uh, Purdue, though, did win the first half, 
pretty clearly. Uh, 40 to 28, Purdue going into the break uh, in Tennessee. Again, Purdue comes out and scores first or whatever in the second half, and it's it starts to slide the wrong way, and it gets to 18. And I'm thinking, well, that's that's maybe ball game. But Tennessee started getting stops. And, and I'll tell you what Tennessee did. Tennessee forced some turnovers. Because once you take a team like Purdue uh, that can shoot the ball so well and you let Purdue get its head up, you, you let Purdue get confident – the only thing you can do at that point is to deny the basketball. Because any shot, I mean, they're hitting shots that have absolutely no business going in most nights, even if you're a really good shooter. I mean, these are these these are well beyond NBA range. These are just some ridiculous shots. But if you're playing in the Sweet 16, that's the kind of that's kind of what you expect in some ways. I mean, this, you play your best basketball this time of the year. And... Purdue had some guys do that. Uh, obviously, the the shooting numbers are what they are. We, we went over the free throws. Tennessee shoots um, 16 of 33 from, from the free throw range. Actually, that was Purdue shoots 16 of 33 from the free throw line. Tennessee, uh, 14 of 28. So, Tennessee actually shot the free throws better than Purdue did in that game. So, hey, who's what we know? Uh, and also, uh, the free throw or three three-point shooting percentage. Again, apologies. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. But uh, 15 of 31 from three from Purdue, just outrageous. You do that, you expect to win just about any time. Uh, but Tennessee, not so shabby either. 12 of 24 actually shot a higher percentage also from the three-point line. Uh, so in, in Tennessee, uh, shot a little lower percentage overall. Purdue was 34 of 63. Uh, Tennessee, 34 of 68. So again, you can see just how close – in so many ways, this basketball game was, and, and that's what it, what is it, kind of what it was expected to be. I mean, Ken Palm thought he saw like a one point mm-hmm. uh, Purdue win, I believe, and and then you had BPI giving a fifty one percent chance uh, for Purdue to win that game. Um, a lot of the picks were Tennessee, but I, I I think maybe in hindsight that was not giving enough credit to uh, Purdue, which was a really good team and a really good league and a team that. Uh, you can't say that they didn't deserve that win. You know, here's the thing. If Tennessee wins that game, you can't say Tennessee didn't deserve it. If Purdue wins that game, you can't say Purdue didn't deserve it. That was what the best NCAA tournament games always are. The best NCAA tournament games are the games where neither team deserves to lose. And we could talk all day about deserve. It's, you know, from the wire, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. But, you know, it's usually most games you usually see a team that deserves to win and another that deserves to lose. This was one of those games where you just really, unless you want to look at the free throws and they both did it, which I think cancels it out, I don't know that either team deserved to lose that. Tennessee got it, though, and, and that is that is what it is. And I tell you, there were so many things. I mean, Admiral Schofield had what one point in the in the first half, one point, and then let's see what Admiral ends up with: uh, twenty-one points on seven of fifteen shooting, three of six from three, four of eight from the free throw line. That that's tough. Um, but a lot of these free throw numbers are are tough. Uh, you know, Grant Williams three of five, Alexander three of four, and I'll say this: in overtime there, when Lamonte Turner went out. And Kyle Alexander was the one who went stepped up at the free throw line and shoot, and and shot pretty well actually did, did okay there. Uh, he finished three or four from the free throw line, uh, but but some of the ones that are going to sting are uh, Schofield four of eight, 
Fulkerson, 0 of 1, and Jordan Bowden, of all people, 4 of 9. This was, coming into this game, Grant, the 16th best team in college basketball at free throw shooting. I think 76.3 or 76.2% as a team heading into this game. And then they go out there and they shoot 14 of 28, and who knows why. Is it the moment? Is it just one of those nights? Is it a combination of the things? I I, I don't know that... it seems like it's too soon, too sudden right now to sit there and say exactly what it was, but I just I didn't think the guys looked too timid. And I think, honestly, in the first half they did look timid, and that explained that. But in the second half it didn't get a ton better, and they weren't timid at all then. They were locked in then. So I, do you have any explanation for it? What did the guys talk to you in the locker room about? I mean, Grant Williams said he didn't think it was nerves or being too wound up because a lot of those free throws, he said, bounced in and bounced out, and he thought they were good shots. Just kind of in general, the way they they looked on the floor, not just free throws, just Tennessee's play early. Uh, Purdue looked like a team that had been in three straight Sweet 16s, even though they were 0-3 in those games. And Tennessee looked like a team that hadn't been in the Sweet 16 uh, since 2014. Nobody on this roster, obviously. Uh, had been a part of a run like that. Uh, and Purdue did kind of what Purdue's done the last well, however many games. I mean, this is a Purdue team. Uh, as well as they've played lately and, and what they did to Villanova and what they did to Old Dominion in the first round, they lost to Texas in December, an NIT team, and they lost to Notre Dame in December, a team that didn't go anywhere uh, in the postseason. They lost twice to Minnesota in the month of March. Uh, so this is a Purdue team that has has its flaws. It's just – Right now, they look in control. Uh, they look really comfortable. Uh, they're scoring the ball a ton. And and when you're doing that, and you're a team that looks a little bit rattled and a little bit phased and a little bit kind of caught in the moment, uh, another team like that's going to run away from you. I mean, uh, you can't get behind 18 and uh, expect to come back and do what Tennessee did, even though they almost found a way out of it. Uh, it's just you can't do that in March. They 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 kind of played with fire when they when they built a 16 point lead against Colgate and let it go. They definitely played with fire when they survived against Iowa after leading by 25. Had to go to overtime and kind of handle it the way Purdue did tonight. But uh, if you get down 18 and and you you give up leads or you have to come from behind and and hope for a rally, and, and you don't look like yourself at times in the first half. Uh, this is just that's the way seasons end this time of year. There's one team that, that ends the, the year on a win, and there's a 350-whatever that, that end them on a loss. Yeah, and, and it, it it's no – for anyone who, who's never sort of – I'm sure most of y'all have watched interviews uh, from post-game press conferences and stuff, and, you know, especially in the locker room. I, I got to tell you, it's – you know, even for people like us who kind of – we know the guys, we like some of the guys, um, but it's professional. Uh, you, you go in there and you're going in there to be professional. But there's party. We're all human beings, and these are good kids, and you don't want to see them acting the way they are. You don't want to see them in that much distress. Like, there, it brings no, you know, love from this end or, or no joy, you know, to, from this end to see something like that uh, because it's – it's painful. I mean, when when Jordan Bone can barely get words out of his mouth and he can't look up because he doesn't want people to see how much he's crying, when Kyle Alexander has to spend 10 minutes with a, a towel wrapped around his head because he's not ready to quit sobbing enough to for, for people to talk to him, uh, when John Fulkerson just broke down, like like I don't think I've ever seen him break down, 
the, the way he did in that locker room. Uh, you know, when you're talking to a kid like Jordan Bowden, who always has a smile on his face almost all the time, and, and he's just tearing up saying that he thinks his missed free throws were part of the reason that, that Schofield and Alexander and, and Brad Woodson and Lucas Campbell don't get to continue their careers. You, you know, and then Lamonte Turner saying, I don't think I fouled him, but they called it, and that call was huge. And, you know, he, here we are. Uh, the season ended short of the championship that I thought this team was going to get, and I have to sit there and live with that. It's not something that you enjoy seeing. It's not something you enjoy experiencing. This is not uh, this is not why you go into this business to to go talk to people in those situations. Um, but that that's what happened. And uh, I'll say this: we'll have much more time later on to do this and I hope in future podcasts we will have some of those seniors including even guys like Schofield and Alexander if they have if they have time to uh to sit there and, and go over some of this stuff with us and and kind of break down the way this this season went and and the things that that the lessons they learned from it the the things that this program meant to them the way that this fan base meant to them uh the, there's a lot to to discuss there but right now in this moment uh, we're talking about an NCAA tournament that feels incomplete. And as painful it is, as it admits it, me, it, let me try it again, as painful as it is for me to admit this to people because I, I don't enjoy doing this, Tennessee has ample reason. And I'm a guy sitting here saying, I think that call uh, with 2.5 seconds left, I think that ball went off Edwards' leg, maybe some other ankle will come out and prove that I was wrong, but that's the way I saw it. And I, I tried to get the pool reporter on hand, but I couldn't get to him in time for him to go talk to the officials to get an answer from them on that. I, I, I don't know. Um, Rick Barnes did think that that was a foul, by the way, on Turner at the end of the game. Turner, as you would expect, said that he didn't think it was. Uh, but, you know, it, it's these things hurt, and they're, they're going to hurt. And... I just hate to see it for this group of guys. I really do. And, and again, you know, maybe the guys who cover Purdue could sit here and tell you the exact same thing about about those guys and be like, man, they're high-character guys. They do things the right way. And for all I know, they do that. But I, I don't know that. What I know is the guys I cover and the guys that we cover, and I have don't know that there's been many groups of guys I've ever enjoyed covering more uh, than the nucleus of this team for the past three years. They have, through losses, through wins, through good times, through really, really painful memories uh, for them, painful experiences, I should say, they've been outstanding guys to be around. Uh, they've been accountable. They've been honest. They've been accessible. Uh, they have been um, all of those things. And and that's just not something that you see every day in these in this age where you got a lot of kids who are entitled and spoiled and, and these kids just don't do that. Rick doesn't recruit guys like that and they don't. And if they're like that, when he gets there, he either changes them or they go somewhere else. So you don't ever want to see things end the way they did for this team tonight. But if we're being professionals here and we do need to be professionals here, uh, Tennessee missed 14 free throws. And this coming into this game tonight – Tennessee was, I think, 16th nationally in free throw shooting. Out of 350-some-odd teams, 16th nationally in free throw shooting. At somewhere around, I think, 76.2% as a team, which is fantastic. If they do that tonight, game doesn't go to overtime. 
they win. And, of course, you could say that, you know, Purdue shot even worse from the free throw line. And, hey, maybe maybe these teams banging on each other so hard that that, that caused it a little bit. But um, I think you have to look at it and you have to say, you know what, guys, great season, uh, 30 wins, did a lot of things that this program uh, hadn't done in a while, uh, but – did not win a championship, and the reason you didn't win a championship or go to a final, 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 final four is because you didn't hit free throws, and that that is something that just has to be said, right? Yeah, it, it has to be said, and I mean, uh, kind of the the big picture uh, view of this is, you know, they were devastated last this time last year too because of what happened in the last seconds. Uh, against Loyola, and this time around, it's the same devastation. You got around farther. Uh, that's good. You won 31 games. You tied a program record. That's good. Uh, you won 19 games. You were a top 10 team start to finish. You were, you spent four weeks at number one and what was it, six weeks at number three. I mean, uh, this was a special, special basketball season, and, and getting to the Sweet 16 in its own right. It's only happened eight times now for Tennessee basketball. Uh, that's been a pretty decent basketball program over the years, uh, but yeah, you—I mean, you—you you got to execute better. Uh, forty minutes and, and playing forty minutes of good basketball had been an issue uh, for this team, dating back to—I I don't know when hit or miss. It's—it's it's been a while. They had—they had a tough stretch to close the season because of uh, how tough the how backloaded the schedule was, and, and they weren't playing their best basketball going into March. Uh, but they did what they did, and, and they come up, you know, a couple games short of probably what their goal was, and that was they felt like they were a legit Final Four contender, and they spent most of the year looking like a legit Final Four contender. But uh, in terms of March, you, you go by matchups, and Tennessee had a tough one. I mean, uh, Matt Harms gave Grant Williams fits in the first half because, I mean, how often does Grant face a seven foot three guy? Uh, that's going to change your game. Uh, and Ryan Klein does what he does, uh, and – uh, Carson Edwards keeps playing out of his mind. I mean, he's the first guy to score, I think it's the three NCAA tournament games straight over 25 since Steph Curry. Somebody put in that stat out. I mean, that's that's pretty elite company. Uh, but, it, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a tough loss. And uh, once the sting wears off, you know, when the legacy of this group starts getting talked about, it'll be a different conversation. But, obviously, in the moment, they're just devastated. Yeah, because this, and again, it brings me no joy to, to mention this, but this season, for all the things Tennessee did, and it did a lot of things this season, uh, the fact of the matter is, right now, this is a Tennessee team that did not win an SEC championship, it did not win an SEC tournament championship, and it did not get to the Final Four. It did get to the Sweet 16, so it did do that much, but... Uh, there was always that sense of kind of wanting more. And I was talking to Grant Williams after the game, and he said point blank, you know, I, I looked at him and I asked him about the, you know, sort of the legacy of this group. And he, look, he looked right at me and he went, he went, Wes, you know, it's a fair question. And I, I think that I, – I think that I hope years from now that all of us can sit there, get together with our families and our kids and talk about all this and, you know, all the good times we had and, and all the good things we did and – he goes, I really hope we get to that point because I think there is a lot we can be proud of. Um, but we weren't champions, and that stings. And he goes, I, so I, I don't know. He said, I don't know how long it's going to take me to feel really prideful about what we did to this season, but I'm not there right now because I just I thought this team had more in it. And if we had not made mistakes that we made, I think we'd still 
be playing basketball. I think we'd be preparing to play, you know, Oregon or Virginia in a couple of days. And, and that's pretty much the same thing that uh, Lamonte Turner said. Lamonte Turner said, you know, uh, Lamonte Turner has always the most accountable dude on the team, I think, came out there and said, you know, I came here saying we needed six wins. We needed six wins. We needed a national championship. That's what this team should have done and could have done and I think um, had a chance to do. But it didn't happen. We fell short, and everybody in here needs to look in the mirror and say we didn't get it done. And that's a painful way to look at it, but when you get to this kind of moment, the stakes are high. They are what they are. And for all the things this program has done during the Barnes era, getting here, this is a tournament that if you've not been in a while, and of course, look at Loyola last year. They'd never been, and they just caught lightning in a bottle and did what they did. But most of the time, you don't just, you have to get here for a little bit before you learn how to win here. And it just, different things happen. And I don't know if it's that they that they weren't ready for the moment, or if they just got a bad matchup at the wrong time. I, I or they just or they just need to get better. You know, may, maybe this means that this group of guys did just about nearly everything it could do, and they need to bring in more talent, and they need to 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 change this to really get this going to the next level. So we'll see if they end up doing that. I mean, getting a guy like Josiah James in here would help. We'll talk more about that later on in the in the coming weeks. But I think right now, I, you just you have to say this team had more in it, and it, it doesn't have the opportunity to show it now, and and that's that's going to sting for a while. I mean, Lamonte Turner said point blank, he goes, "I will never forget this feeling." He said, "Never." He said, "I don't care if it's next year, year after that, when I'm forty, when I'm fifty, when I'm sixty, you know, no matter what else happens, no matter how many good things happen in my life, I will never forget this game." And that that's what this sport does to you. Yeah, and I mean, that was Jordan Bone this time a year ago. Uh, he was a completely different player uh, from start to finish this season, a guy who completely raised his professional basketball stock because of what happened against Loyola and how that season ended and how he took that loss personally uh, and how he felt like he was at fault for that. And, and I think anybody who plays sports has that moment. It's just usually not on this stage because – you know, such a small number of guys get to this point. Uh, but they got to be better for it. I mean, this is kind of the finality uh, of this group, of Admiral, of Kyle, of this senior class, and uh, the first guys that Rick had when he got here and inherited. Uh, but this is just kind of getting started. I mean, this is just the second NCAA tournament they've been to. It's just the fourth year under Barnes. Uh, Grant said this is the foundation, and he's right about that. They, those guys were the foundation. Uh, and now you're adding more talent as you go down the road. They're changing their kind of recruiting profile a little bit, going after higher-class guys. You have to figure out who's coming back and all that stuff and uh, go through the normal off-season procedures and are any assistant coaches leaving for other jobs if they can get head coaching jobs. Because one thing, when you win a lot of games, there's going to be other smaller schools that are coming after your assistants trying to poach that that, that limb of the Rick Barnes tree. So. But regardless, there's still talent on this roster. There's going to be a lot of talent on this roster next year. Uh, I don't know what the expectations will be. It's hard to figure that out at this point. Uh, but it's still relatively early in this whole thing. And, and uh, they, they need to get better from this loss the way they got better from that Loyola loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they 
they have to look and and I think these guys are are mature enough to look inside first. I, I do. I, I think these guys are uh, intelligent enough. I think these guys are mature enough. They are self aware enough to look, you know, kind of inside, look in the mirror, and say, "I I gotta do some things better here." And and you know, Jordan Bone, as you said, became the player he was this season, based. I think largely on the way that that game went last season, uh, the way that Loyola game went. I, I think he used that as motivation to come out and be a completely different player. And, and if he returns to Tennessee next season, uh, which I still think he probably will, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but if he if he comes back to Tennessee next season, I would imagine that he will be a much better player because of that. And... All those other guys, you know, Jordan Bowden missing those free throws. Maybe he comes back and he says, you know what, I drift in and out too much. I have moments. Even in this game, Bowden had moments where, you know, there were guys on this team, speaking of Bowden, the plus-minus ranking in this uh, in this game, uh, the leader for Tennessee was, I believe, well, Kyle Alexander was a leader because his defense when he was in there. Um, but the of all the the main main rotation guys other than Kyle, uh, it was Jordan Bowden, and uh, it was right there around even. And if he had not missed five free throws, it would have been plus five. And a guy as good as Jordan Bowden should expect to be a 80 percent free throw shooter. Normally is, um, but he's a guy who sometimes in big moments has just not not come up. You know the the three he took maybe a little ill advised there um, with about two minutes to go. If he hits that one, boy, that's a kill shot. But he didn't make it, and I like the fact that he wanted to take that because if it's Jordan Bowden uh, and he wants to step up in a big shot, I'm like, big spot, I'm like, all right, big dog, see what you got. Like, you've got the ability to do this. Do you want to take over now? Maybe he looks at this and says, you know, Admiral's gone. I got to go up there and be an 18.4 game scorer. I have the ability to do it, and I need to go out and do it. Maybe he'll do that. Uh, you know, may, maybe these things will happen. Maybe you'll see, um, you know, someone like John Fulkerson step up and, and say, I, I'm going to get a full off season in the strength and conditioning program. I'm healthy and I'm going to find a way to get bigger and I'm going to get better. And I'm going to try to give this team some of the same things Kyle gave this team this season. And he's going to have guys pushing him. So he's going to have to do that. You know, he's going to have DJ Burns uh, pushing him hard. You know, if Zach Ken's back in the program, he's a guy who, if he's healthy, could give a chance to push him a little bit. Um, you know, maybe even a guy like Pember comes in and, and pushes him. We'll see. You know, maybe he gets in there in the weight room and, and blows up a little bit and doesn't need a red shirt after all. We don't know what the future holds for those guys. But all of those guys can look in the mirror and they can say, before anything else, before talking about any referee, before talking about any bad break, they can talk about themselves and the things they can do better. Uh, but on one hand, I, I promised everyone that I wouldn't make this a moral victory podcast because I really didn't want it to be one. Because I think when you're good enough, when you're in Tennessee, Tennessee's position, you're good enough to go out there and win a national championship. This team was good enough, in my opinion, to win a national championship. I'll, I, I believe it now, and no matter what happens the next – you know, a couple weeks in this tournament, I will believe that probably till the day I die, that this Tennessee team had the chance to go win a national championship. But the fact is, uh, it didn't. 
And I think the guys on that team that know both of those things uh, can find a way to, to make heads or tails from that and can, can figure out what they need to do as they continue building this culture. Because I don't think Barnes wants to go anywhere for a while. I think he wants to stay. So uh, if that's the way it's going to be, all right, what's your next move? What you got, guys? Because more competition's coming in. And, you know, again, I don't want to get too much into that because we'll have more off-season breakdown stuff here in the next couple weeks, and we'll talk about sort of the the legacy of Tennessee's seniors, and we'll talk about the uh, just the season overall, uh, the uh, the highs, the lows, the in-between, the the times you're recording a podcast at 2.30 in the morning in Louisville, Kentucky uh, in March. We will talk about all of those things uh, and more. But but on, on this game... On this game, before we get out of here tonight, I just got to tell you, I'm going to say this once, and then I will let it go. Um, two things. One, I'm going to say right now and let it go. College basketball, address your officiating. This is Wes Rucker talking. This is no one else talking. And I don't care who wins games. It, I really don't. It's good for business if Tennessee does, but I, I don't. That's not what, why we do what we do. But I just, as a guy who's been around sports my whole life, played them, now cover them, I want players on the court, field, diamond, whatever, to decide games unless they don't give officials a choice. And I think there are so many things uh, that, that, that those guys could do better, and I hope that in the future they do them. I'd like to see public accountability there. I'd like to see um, new faces in there because if you just keep seeing the same faces with the same problems, you know, I think there's a word for that. It's called insanity. Uh, But you don't want to put that in the officials' hands because there's a lot of things. I mean, the officials didn't make Tennessee miss free throws, but a couple of those calls were really tough, and Tennessee got a couple, but Purdue got a couple too. And it would be nice. It's never going to be perfect, but you'd like to see officials – um, I'd like to see officials be better because in this tournament, it's supposed to be the best of the best on the floor and the best of the best on the whistles. And one of those three whistles tonight, as soon as I saw his name, I knew it was not going to be a beautifully officiated game because I saw his name on the list. And that should not happen. In this tournament, you should not be able to look at an official at a list of officials going into a game and say, hmm, boy, they're going to they're gonna make an impact on this game when they shouldn't. Uh, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate uh, for Tennessee. It's also unfortunate for, for, for Purdue. Purdue just overcame it. Uh, so kudos to them. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that um, I have uh, covered Tennessee sports for how long? Let me look at the year. Almost two decades now. All but three years of the past couple of decades, I've covered Tennessee sports. And uh, believe it or not, I'm old. I am old. And I've had the opportunity to cover a, a lot of guys, uh, some good guys, uh, some turds, uh, some guys who were uh, sort of turds who then became good guys, uh, you know, and then maybe some, some good guys who kind of became some turds as they got big. Covered the full spectrum there. And this group of guys, this nucleus of Tennessee players, has been about as enjoyable an experience as I possibly could have asked for. And I tip my cap to them 
because those four young men, these Tennessee seniors and the juniors behind them, this core group of guys the past few years has been an absolute delight to cover. They have been accessible. They have been honest. Uh, they have allowed fans and media to to show sides of who they really are as people. Uh, they have been a, a really, really, really fun group uh, to, to deal with. And I hope that they continue on in their basketball careers for some of them to go do big things. And I hope that uh, those who are not going to go play professionally in basketball, uh, I hope those guys go uh, have good careers in other endeavors, whether it's in business, whether it's in PT school, whether it's in uh, coaching potentially for a couple of them, whatever it is, I, I just I enjoy these guys, and I appreciate Rick Barnes for bringing in a group of kids who you do not have to worry about what they're doing when they're not at the arena. And perhaps I'll be the only one to talk on that topic, might hand it over to Grant, but I, I, I just I have nothing but absolute respect for the class in that program that starts with Rick Barnes, goes to his support staff, his assistant coaches, uh, you know, even like Tom Satkoviak, the sports information director, who I think is one of the very best in the business. Uh, Kellen Heiser, who does a lot of the social media stuff for them. Uh, Josh, who helps out, um, who helps out. Tom with the sports info stuff. Josh has done an excellent job this year, again, uh, helping out the basketball program as a sports info guy. There are just – when Rick Barnes got there, he talked about building a program with good people, and he's done that. When he got to Tennessee, the people he kept were the people he needed to keep, and he promoted some of them. And the people that he needed to, to get rid of, he, he found a way to kind of politely send elsewhere. And, and I think he's built a culture here – that will give Tennessee a chance to compete for championships on a somewhat regular basis. And and I, for one, appreciate that. Yeah, I feel a, a, a kind of a, I don't know what the word is. I got hired by the new Sentinel to cover Tennessee men's basketball four years ago when these guys were freshmen. Uh, so Admiral and Kyle were some of the first guys I talked to uh, in that role, I think I talked to Rick in September uh, after he had been hired in March, so right before his first season around that time. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate them from a from a different perspective. I think I've uh, been fortunate enough to be in the building for all but four Tennessee games for these guys, this, this senior class's career, uh, or three games maybe, three or four, whatever, the Bahamas last year and, and a random home game, something like that. So, yeah, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, inside baseball kind of thing, uh, if you want to know my how what I thought about this team, we were at dinner in Columbia before the Missouri game in early January. Uh, I guess that was the second or third SEC game on the schedule, and uh, we booked rooms in Minneapolis for April, whatever Final Four dates are, uh, just because of how well they were playing. Uh, and that's just kind of you've got to cover your bases there. But, that, I mean, that's not something I expected to be doing uh, in the fourth year of the Rick Barnes uh, era at Tennessee. And I, I don't as the season went on, I would probably disagree that I thought they could win a national title. The NCAA tournament's got to be one of the hardest things in sports to win because you not only have to play well, you have to play well six times. Uh, and you have to play other teams that are uh, trying to do the same thing you are and have the same talent, similar if not better talent. I mean, if if this tournament was easier, John Calipari would have a lot more titles because he recruits the most elite talent in the game. 
there would be a lot. Of, I mean, Matt Painter's a good coach. He was 0-3 in these Sweet 16 games and produced a good basketball program, and they hadn't been to the Elite Eight in 20 years. Uh, that speaks volumes about how hard it is to win uh, in this tournament. I did think they were a Final Four potential team based on the matchups. I did think if, if they got Virginia on Saturday, that would be a team they were capable of beating. I don't know if they would have or how they would have played or anything like that, but uh, it ends here, and, and that's rough for them. But the farther you get away from this, the more their legacy uh, will start to glow a little bit and, and kind of uh, people will get a little bit more perspective. I mean, this is the winningest two seasons back-to-back in the history of the Tennessee basketball program. They'd never won uh, 57 games, I believe, uh, 26 last year, 31 this year. The previous record was 55, and, and Grant winning the player of the year two years in a row in the league, and uh, Rick Barnes is coach of the year of the league last year, national coach of the year this year. You know, first team all SEC guys, second team all SEC guys. Uh, I mean, it's it's a special era of Tennessee basketball, regardless of what happens from here, based on how much ground they've covered the last two years, and, and we'll see if it keeps going. Yeah, and I don't think that, that it's going to start declining right now either. I, I think that uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll we'll touch on this a little bit more going forward. But I know if you're the one listening to this podcast 40 minutes in after that game last night, you're probably thinking, "Give me something good to end on." And and, and I and I I can do that without without it being a stretch. I, I think this team, this culture, this program will give you a chance to be competitive on an annual basis, and that is the first step toward being a potential champion you build a culture within a program where guys get used to success and guys start pushing each other to have more and more success and uh, eventually you know you break through and you win you know it took them three years to win an sec championship Uh, it took them four years to reach the sweet 16 and and maybe even without schofield and alexander maybe in year five they find the right kind of mindset the right kind of the breaks will go their way and and they'll go even farther who knows but even if those things don't happen this thing is on a trajectory that it is sustainable you know like let's put it this way a hippie would love it i think this program is sustainable i i think it's not it's not a program that's bound to just crash or go off a cliff everyone has has bad seasons now and then uh, but the way they're starting to recruit again, the way that they're developing players, the way that they're creating a culture uh, of expectations uh, and the success that they have, they're on their way toward doing some good things. Now, this team, with all the just the, the unbelievable chemistry that this team had, that's that's probably going to be a little tough to repeat. Uh, but not impossible. You, you never know. I, I mean, you know, if, if Williams – comes back that that helps in that way certainly uh, I can tell you if Jordan Bone comes back that helps and I can tell you this too next year's Tennessee basketball leader Lamonte Turner there is no question about it I don't care if he's not the leading scorer I don't care about anything else that dude is an absolute warrior he is a competitor he will he, he'll cut he'll slit your throat to get a point he does not he does not scare He's the kind of guy who he will use this, that performance, because he chased Edwards for 41 minutes all over the place. Uh, he's had horrible cramps, stayed, you know, came right back in the game, hobbling around out there on one leg, drinking water, probably eating a banana, whatever he could to get that potassium up. And he, he, he gave him a fight. 
and he made him earn everything he got. So that guy is going to be, I think, the leader next season. I think Bones' play will make him a bit of a leader. Obviously, if Williams comes back, his play will, will make him a leader because of just who he is. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be Turner, I think, as the, the bell cow of this bunch when it comes down to the end of games, when it comes down to someone's got to step up in the locker room and say something. Uh, I think that's... I think that's Delonte Turner. I've thought these things about him since early in his career. I think he is an absolute bulldog. I think he's a guy that you can build a really winning culture around. Um, and I think he's going to occasionally put up shots he shouldn't. But for the most part, hey, he makes more of them than he misses. And uh, I, I, he made some big ones tonight again. Uh, and I think that he's a guy who uh, had a nice NCAA tournament, had a nice end to the season, especially coming back from that uh, LSU debacle. And I, I think that he can use this as a springboard going forward. You mentioned wanting to have good news to end on. Uh, Josiah James plans to get to Tennessee and enroll May 8th, about a month earlier than usual freshman dates. Uh, he's already recruiting his BFF, Grant Williams, to come back. Uh, and he's already recruiting Jordan Bone to come back. He wants to play alongside Jordan Bone. Uh, he still wants to play point guard, uh, but the coaching staff has talked to him about playing other positions, and he's open to that. He just wants to, quote-unquote, chase a national title, as he told Evan Daniels, our director of recruiting for 247 in Atlanta this week for the McDonald's All-American game. So if you want to spin it forward to something positive, that's about as positive it gets because that's, uh, that's an elite basketball player that's coming to join your program. Yeah, and another another elite talent who seems to be pretty down-to-earth, too, which is something that – uh, does not have a five stars sort of me first sort of mentality. You know, he's a guy who is very much a team player, and you can tell that's why Rick Barnes and those guys loved him. I mean, he he was the only one who didn't score in the McDonald's All America game, and I do not care about that in the slightest because he is at his best when he's out there playing actual basketball, team basketball, uh, where both teams are trying to play offense and defense. And uh, yeah, I, I think that. He's a guy who is going to step right on in and help. Now, we will see if they go add a grad transfer somewhere. I wouldn't be stunned if they tried to go add a grad transfer piece. We'll have more on that later. I, I don't want to get too inside baseball on that. Uh, but what I will say is that was a uh, a, a tough way to end a, a season for a team that, um, you know, I don't know if anybody ever really deserves to have a bad end to their season. Um, but but this Tennessee team certainly didn't, and I know don't know nearly enough about Purdue to tell you whether the the, the better team won that game in that way. But but I I tell you this, it's I kind of thought that Tennessee team would get to Minneapolis, and the fact that it didn't, eh, my heart goes out to those guys. Uh, I'll, I'll say that, uh, and I will say that uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed covering these Tennessee seniors. They've been. Class acts, and so whatever they're doing, hopefully we'll get them on the podcast. I know I'm pretty sure we can get Kyle on the podcast, uh, and I don't think it would take too much arm pulling to get Admiral on the podcast. So we will try to get those guys uh, on the podcast here uh, in the coming weeks, perhaps months. I know they're going to be going through NBA workouts and such, so uh, we'll try to get those guys. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure we can get Brad Woodson and Lucas Campbell to come in and give us a little inside baseball on uh, on on Tennessee's success and and i can tell you this much too i uh, got a, a message earlier uh tonight um from former tennessee defensive coordinator big john janitors uh john jancic who was uh i would say not thrilled with the call there some of the calls there late in regulation i think he'd be the first to tell you that um but he has told me all season long 
how much he loves the fact that his son is playing for Rick Barnes. And his son Brock is a freshman walk-on big man on Tennessee's team, a good player from, shout out, Knoxville Catholic High School, best high school in the world. Every other high school is not as good. He is a guy who um, I don't know if he'll ever end up being a rotation player or anything like that for Tennessee. You can never say with the freshman. Uh, he is big. He is strong. There's some minutes he can give you maybe here and there. But the bottom line is um, John Jancic's a coach, a college coach, and he has told me several times now that he could not think of a better person for his son to play for than Rick Barnes. And I think that from one coach saying that about another coach, uh, I, I think that that means a lot, I imagine. Even Grant, who can be cynical sometimes, I think he, even he thinks that means a lot. Never. Never cynical. See, he won't even talk into the microphone. He won't even talk into the microphone. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Again, apologies to the sound quality on these. It's never as good when we're in the mobile studio. Uh, we're working on upgrading our mobile studio equipment so we can bring you more uh, audio-friendly podcasts when we're out on the road because we spend a ton of our time out there. Uh, but as always, you can find us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey's Grant Ramey on Twitter because he doesn't like being associated with the 24-7 brand because he's selfish. Uh, Ryan Callahan is on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. And if even Ryan's proud of the 24-7 brand, Grant, why are you not? Anyway, Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, you can get all of us there on social media at uh, twitter.com slash govoss247. You can also go to our Facebook page, which we're all pretty proud of, facebook.com slash Go Vols 24-7. Plenty of stuff there. Or if you want to drink water straight from the hose, you can go to GoVols247.com. Always got a bunch of good stuff there. We've always got. Uh, right now we got the, the regular old seven-day free trial. But, hey, that's that's also a good deal. There's a lot of stuff that you can, you can get there. You can see for seven days what we've got. We got a lot of football recruiting, a lot of football news, uh, a lot of basketball recruiting, and a lot of basketball news. Uh, baseball season on the way. Got plenty of stuff on that. Uh, obviously there's a coaching search going on for the Tennessee women's basketball program, so we will have plenty to discuss on that front. Uh, Tennessee softball has started the season, and they're up there near the top, as they almost always are. Uh, so spring football about to con- – about to con- I don't want to say about to conclude, but it's a couple weeks left. But we'll have much more on that going forward, and we'll be back in the studio for that too. So that'll be nice. And uh, I think I think that about covers it. Grant, you got any final thoughts? I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I won't even talk in the microphone. Amateur hour over here. Thanks for tuning in, guys.